Welcome to the Divorce Angel Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Summerton. Attention business owners, senior managers and executives, your successful separation begins right now. We have the answers to the questions you did not even think to ask. Let's face it, you're already successful in your career and we're here to help expand your knowledge and limit your costs by designing a strategy for your divorce. We take all that business knowledge you've acquired and we put it to work. With proven strategies, systems and processes, we've saved our clients tens of thousands in legal fees and helped define their future. And now we're doing the unthinkable. We're revealing the secrets the lawyers have tried to hide and giving you our formula for five steps to a seamless divorce. We're changing the world one divorce at a time, so stay tuned. Hey there, welcome back to the Divorce Angel Podcast. Hope you've had a really great week and I know that sometimes I feel a little bit funny when I say that because I know when you're going through a divorce, there's nothing like a great week. Actually, to be honest, it seems to be just a continuation of really shitty weeks until all of a sudden you can see out of the darkness, you can see the light, know that you're actually getting somewhere. So please, when I say that, don't take it the wrong way. I say it with the best intentions. And I really do hope, given what you're dealing with right now, you do see some light. You do see some gratitude in your life. There are possibilities or positives that make you want to keep getting up and striving to do better and be better every day. That's just what I want to send my love and care and let you know that's what I'm ultimately thinking about when I say I hope you've had a good week. So guess what my friends this week we're going to have a chat about communication. Now communication in my five steps to a seamless divorce is a key tool that we teach some of our clients and we do it in a few different ways but mostly by some exercises that we do to prove I suppose to prove a point and what I mean by that is sometimes we don't actually understand how bad we are at communicating. And communicating is not just speaking, it's listening and it's understanding. And this is where the biggest issues arise, especially when we're emotional. And we do this exercise that I'm not going to tell you about. If you become a client, it is just such an amazing exercise. Clients just love it. They can ultimately see why their communicating style or what they're hearing is not actually what their partner is saying to them. So can you imagine, can you imagine having the skills to be able to sort of break down the barriers and be able to really see what is being said and not interpreting what you think is being said? And this is the greatest issue when you're getting divorced. A tip that I got taught a long time ago is sometimes when someone says something to you and it triggers a response, it's not their fault that they've triggered you. And look, maybe even the word uh, fault isn't the correct word. It's just that you've reacted. So sometimes people say things and we react without even understanding why because it's just simply a trigger. And those triggers can be deep-seated. They can be from our childhood. They can be subconscious. There's many reasons, reasons why other people trigger us. And the other thing is, is how we interpret what someone is saying. 
And a mentor once said to me, which is the greatest thing that I think I've ever learned, especially around relationships, is when someone says something to you or your partner says something or your ex-partner says something, sometimes what they are saying is not what they mean. Or sometimes what they've done does not mean what you think it means. So I A trick I learned was if sometimes you get triggered by something, you should always go back and ask yourself, why were you triggered? And what do you think the the meaning of what they were saying actually meant? And then consider six other things that that could have meant. Let me give you an example. Now, let's say, for instance, my husband comes home and we're having dinner and he snaps at me. Now, I could take it personally and think to myself, oh, my God, I've done, I've cooked dinner, I've done this for you and now you snap at me and it triggers a response from me. But then consider, rather than getting upset which in a previous life I may have done because I was the sort of person that when we, when my first husband and I were discussing something, if I didn't like how he said it or what he said, I would think all of these reasons why he said it. That would be ridiculous, to be honest. And I would go quiet and I would turn into myself rather than discussing with him what I thought he was actually saying to me. But this trick I was taught around coming up with, well, it's really seven because you've got the one that you think the conversation or the other person was trying to get across to you. But when you come up with six others, it could mean something completely different. So let's go back to the scenario of possibly my husband coming home and snapping at me over dinner. It could be simply, he's extremely tired. It could be that he's got pain somewhere in his body, that he's hurt himself at work, that he's worried about something himself, that he maybe he doesn't like what I've cooked for dinner. Maybe it is that I've said something that's triggered him. Or it could just be, I don't know, he doesn't like the sauce that I've used. Who knows? But In my head, when I go through six other possible scenarios plus the one that I've come up with, in a lot of cases what happens is it de-escalates in my mind why he did what he did. Because in most cases, and what I've seen to be true, what someone actually says is a is a combination or a consequence of exterior things happening outside of their life. And sometimes they say something and how we react or how we are triggered will then think, we will then think, oh, well, that's what they're trying to communicate with us, which ultimately is not true. So when we go back to communicating, The whole thing around listening and making sure that we listen to what someone is saying. If we don't understand what they are saying, it's very good. And a tool that I teach my clients is after someone has said something to repeat what they have said back to them. So in other words, you can say a phrase such as this. So what I hear you saying 
and then repeat how you interpret what they said. So what I hear you saying or what I think you said, and when you say it like that, it gives the person that's speaking to you the ability to come back to you and go, oh, no, 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 that's not what I said. You actually got it wrong. This is what I meant. And then there's no issues in as far as having um, the wrong understanding of what, what was actually trying to be communicated. So I've used that tool quite a lot in the rec- in my recent, um, oh, let's say probably 12 months. It's a tool that's very, very good because it makes sure that there's no ambiguity around what could possibly be trying to be communicated. The other thing when we communicate there's no point. Women are so good at this. We are so good at this as the sexes that we beat around the bush. Men and women communicate so differently. It's not funny. So, so, so differently. And what we need to do as a sex is make sure that if we want to get something across, we just come straight out and say it. There's no point beating around the bush or saying something that we really don't want or don't need just to make someone else feel better. And once again, I relate to this because this was me. So say for instance, my um, ex-partner or my husband would say to me, um, oh, is it okay if we go to X, Y, and Z tonight? Even if I didn't want to go to X, Y, and Z, I would say, oh, yeah, okay, let's, let's go to X, Y, and Z. And I would think by the way I said it or how I communicated it with my body language, they would understand that I didn't really want to go to X, Y, Z. Then I would get upset or angry because we ended up going there. Now, can you see how ludicrous this is? But women are very good at, at this sort of thing. Now, tonight, for instance, when we're talking about straight talking, uh, my husband actually asked me a question this afternoon and he said, oh, would it be okay if I gave, uh, like it was a a technical um, piece of equipment, would it be okay if I gave this to a mate? And I think really highly of this this friend of his. And normally I would have previous life gone, yeah, yeah, that's okay. But you know what I did today? I said, do you know what, babe? Actually, no, I'd prefer you not to give that to him. You know, I haven't really used it yet and it cost me a bit of money and I'd prefer I'd prefer him not to use it. Now, I noticed in myself in that moment how much I had grown as a communicator because rewind five years, ten years, I would have just said, yeah, no problem. And then I would have probably felt a little bit cheated that this new piece of equipment that I haven't even used yet, someone else had. And then to be honest, it's the sort of thing that you talk into. It's it's a special sort of microphone. I would probably have thought twice about using it again, especially in this current environment with coronavirus and everything else going on. So kudos to me. I was quite happy with how I reacted to that. And then there is non-verbal communication. And this is just this such a beautiful way of really getting to know someone by how they communicate and there's telltale signs and there's shows out there movies and you know there's tells as they call it in in the gambling world or especially card playing there's there's things that people continually do that give away their story and there's also things like that happening with you right now with your 
ex-partner. There is things that they would do over and over again that is telling you a story about what they really mean. So they might say one thing, but they might do an action that you know shows you that they actually mean something else. And a lot of people really have to think carefully about this or later on they'll they'll learn and go, actually, that's what that meant. But at the time, they don't realize it. But be mindful of nonverbal communication. And in NLP, there's also the way someone looks, whether they look up to the left or whether they look up to the right when they're talking. One means that they're recalling a memory Another way means that they're actually considering it as being a lie or telling a fib. And there's other tells like that that people do that often are nonverbal communication. Even recently, doing an exercise with my mentor around how some of the American presidents spoke when they were, you know, going up on uh, up against each other. And the way they would stand, whether they were square-shouldered or whether they were on an angle, things as simple as body language can make such a difference with what someone is trying to get across and portray. And you know, it can be that, well, I'm better than you. I think I'm good at this. You know, oh, no, I'm approachable. There's a whole lot of other ways that um, nonverbal communication also can be part of the equation and then there's pacing now I spoke about pacing last week and especially when we're going through a divorce pacing is something when we're talking to someone else we go yes I understand oh that makes sense you're meeting them where they are you're actually trying to just accept them you're sort of mirroring what they're doing. So if someone in their communication continually said, let's say the word mate over and over again in the sentence, when you spoke back to them, you would say the word mate. If they used other colloquialisms that were common to them, you would use those words back to them because their subconscious mind relates to that specific word and it makes you look like you're more approachable. It makes you look like you understand what they're saying and automatically their guard drops and they're more interested in you and what you're saying because they can relate to you. You're relatable because you're using their language back to them. Also, when I was just use that word mirroring, the other thing If someone sits forward in their chair, you should sit forward in your chair. If they sit back, you should sit back. Those sorts of little tools as well, they're telling that other person's subconscious mind that you are on the same page that they're on. And it's important if they cross their arm, you cross your arm. That's how you also mirror someone's behavior. If they talk fast, blah, 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 you need to talk fast. If they talk slow, you need to slow down your talking as well to make sure that you are mirroring what they're doing. And that's a great way of getting their subconscious mind to actually accept you and trust you and want to work with you. And then the other thing is, is if you're negotiating, especially because a lot of these tools are really good when you're negotiating with your partner, 
When you're negotiating, you need to meet them where they are. We've spoken about this before, about the different stages of divorce, and I call them category A, B, and C. Category A is if you've decided to leave the marriage. Category B is if you didn't even know it was going to happen. And then category C is where you both decide to leave the relationship together or the relationship's just not working. Now, if you're category A, the research says that with category A, it's probably taken you two, even longer, years to come to terms with, no, this isn't working for me and I want to leave. If you say to category B, who's your partner, well, I want to sell the house tomorrow, you're two years in front of them emotionally. You've thought about your future and they're just all of a sudden come to terms with the whole fact that you're not even going to be married anymore. So when you're communicating with them, they are just going to be a blocker. Category B will just block, block, block. And for me, they're the clients that need the most help and support because they're still in shock. They're still in mourning. And when their partner is so far in front of them, it's really hard to get momentum going. And it's natural. It's understandable. They are the clients that I think need the most love, support and care. So when they're partner says no we're putting on the house on the market tomorrow because you know they're already for that category b they're still hang on a minute this is my home i've lost my marriage now you want me to sell my home but this is ridiculous but if category b was paced and they were said okay if i was you i would understand how you feel if i was you this makes perfect sense if i was you I would feel the same way, then they feel like they are being heard. And there's a way of negotiating and getting things done that doesn't hurt either party. And it's when you do it that way, it really does look like you are being a compassionate person. But this is the problem with lawyers. They just don't know how to write or to use any of these terms that we've spoken about here. And They can be great tools, not only for dealing with your ex-partner, but also in life in general. They can be really, really great skills. The narrative around why you are saying what you're saying also has something to do with your mind and how you think. And if you you have this narrative in your mind, because Communicating with yourself is just as important as communicating with others. What your subconscious mind hears you say, it believes. And the words that you say out loud as well as to yourself, they normally come true. So you need to be very careful with what you say to yourself and the narrative that you're telling others because it's listening. Communication is such an amazing skill. It's a a beautiful skill. So let's just recap on what we spoke about. There's the listening. Then there's the straight talk, you know, getting right to the point. And then there's the non-verbal communication. Then there's pacing and making sure, yes, we understand, I get that. Then there's meeting the person where they are at their point in the divorce journey. And then the last part is how we talk to ourselves, and the narrative and communication that we're using around our own situation. Hopefully these have really helped you. Now, 
On my website, if you are thinking about leaving your partner and don't know how to even start the conversation, on my website, After Courses, I have a course on helping people be able to communicate what they want to do for the future with their partner. And it's using a lot of these skills that I've just gone over now. So go and pop onto my website and have a look. There's a workbook there as well, and it helps you work out what you need to do. That's it for this week. I hopefully you have a great week and some of these skills you implement in your life. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Angel podcast. Go behind the scenes of my business to learn the secrets no one else will share. Deep dive into the Divorce Angel process and listen to our most popular episodes over at tanyasummerton.com. If you love this episode of the podcast, do me a favor and head over to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review so we can reach more people and change more lives. That's all for now and I'll catch up with you next week.